0: We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey.
1: All right, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome as we get ready for the Sharks to take on Winnipeg. Of course, the big news out of this morning is that Matt Benning is done for the year, needs hip surgery, so he is out should be back for the start of training camp that's a blow to an already beleaguered uh roster across the board for the sharks who have just been dealing with injuries over and over and over but to talk about everything else sharks related we are now joined by curtis Bashelka of bay area news group who covers the sharks curtis what's going on man how are you doing i'm doing pretty well just uh ready for the next sharks game and you know, Curtis, uh, before we go wider on you know the Sharks' current losing and other issues that have been happening, like this morning's breaking news that Matt Benning has done for the year, I was particularly um, – I-, I noted how frustrated the players seemed after Tuesday night's loss, and we've seen them after the 10-1 and 10-2 losses, and those was almost a, a lack of words. Uh, but I felt that after Tuesday night's loss, where they played a decent game, it went from – not liking the answers to, at this point, it feels like they don't have the answers. Is that part of the vibe that you got? Or what, what was your take on just um, what was a, a a very brief session in Tuesday's postgame from every player? It's not like, you know, one guy spoke and was their normal, eloquent selves. It was everybody was about as short-winded as could be.
0: Yeah, yeah. You could definitely tell that that was probably one of the more frustrating losses they've had. Uh, of the season, particularly, you know, since the start of the year when they started the, the year on that 11-game uh, losing streak. Um, you know, that was a game that they probably should have at least got to overtime. Um, you know, you look at the had a 3-2 lead, Alexander Barabano gives them the lead there midway through the third period, and then, you know, they take a penalty shortly afterward. Uh, a blown assignment leads to the tying goal by David Perron. And then, you know, with 90 seconds left, less than two minutes to go, you know, they give away the puck in the neutral zone, the Red Wings come right back, create a scoring opportunity, and uh, you know, a bad bounce leads to the winning goal um after Perron shot it towards the net. So that was definitely frustrating. It wasn't a situation where you know you play the Kings and you just you just get out class, right? It was yeah. the studies had some of these games where they just were never really that competitive, but this was a game that I'm sure they felt. They probably should have gotten two points out of her at the very least got to overtime. So uh, frustrating from that standpoint. And, you know, you're it doesn't get any easier. You got the Jets tonight. You got the Leafs on Saturday. And then you start a five-game trip. So um, that's a tough one to swallow for the Sharks for sure.
1: When I went back to look at the schedule after they had the 2-1 win over Winnipeg, their last win, which is almost a month ago, I looked at the upcoming schedule and said, boy, Arizona – you know, if they don't get those wins, wins are going to be few and far between. And actually, since I made that assessment, by the time the Sharks did actually play Arizona first in a one nothing loss on the road and then in a 5-2 loss at home, Arizona was in the midst of a surge, which now has them playing some pretty decent hockey um, over the past month. But like you said, now you know, it was Detroit to start off this trip, and now it's Winnipeg, then it's, you know, home and home against Toronto as the Sharks go out on the road for five, Montreal, Ottawa, Buffalo, Chicago, you know, and then I guess you could say that the game at Chicago or home against Anaheim represent, you know, decent chances. And I have to imagine wins will come at some point, but you know, when you see the, the lack of players like Matt Benning, not coming back for the rest of the year, Nico Sturm's continued absence and the effects that ha- has had on the team. Um, it, like you said, like it doesn't get any easier. And I'm just trying to figure out, you know, when they're going to be able to string together some wins and, you know, just what has happened so much, Curtis, because there's two parts to that. It's like, A, they're losing, but the losing came after directly after they played their best stretch of hockey on the season, going four, two, and one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned the injuries there. I mean, Nico Stern being out. That's that's a loss for this team. You know, um, you know, he's a guy terrific, terrific in the face off dot, uh, kills penalties. Um, and I think the sharks are still without a win when he hasn't been in the lineup this year, something like Oh, and uh oh and ten or over eleven or something along those lines. So you know, he's a loss and and you know, it's just David Quinn's talked a lot about how the Sharks just at times just haven't been playing winning hockey. Um, just little mistakes here and there. It reminds me a little bit of last season when you know the sharks were competitive in games, but just one or two catastrophic mistakes uh lead to the puck being in the back of the net. And I think that's you know that's what happened to some degree against you know obviously against Detroit and you know against Colorado they they competed hard but you know they take a delay it was a take a penalty and on the delayed call uh Duskojukin scores to give the Colorado the lead with less than four minutes to go so uh it's just little things that continue to sk- kind of haunt this team right now they uh, during that stretch you know obviously you mentioned there they were kind of they were really scoring well I mean the offense was coming alive and so they can outscore a couple of these mistakes here and there, but they just haven't had that luxury here over, these, over the last few games and, and uh, you know, like you said, it just, uh, you wonder, you look at the schedule here, and, and, you know, things do let up a little bit. It's not, you know, it's not like a, a five-game trip where you had early in the season where you are going against the Floridas and the Tampa Bays and the Carolinas. You know, I mean, Montreal's kind of up down here, Ottawa's been struggling, you know, Buffalo's up and down, Chicago's actually still in a deep rebuild, so, um, but you know the team has to sort of get the confidence back. You know to win, to win again. I've I've kind of said, and other guys have said that, you know, you got to have. Uh, you know, it's almost a chicken and egg thing. You got to need the confidence to win games, but to get the confidence, you know, to win games, you need that type of confidence. So, uh, it's a little bit of back and forth with this team. I've heard a lot of guys say, you know, the mentally, you know, sometimes the team fades in and out. You know, they're not always on on you know where they need to be uh in terms of a compete standpoint in terms of a a mental strength standpoint so that's the that's one thing that's got to improve here as we go into the, the second half of the year they're already played like 38 games so we're going into the second half here pretty soon
1: what's amazing though Curtis is that you know Anaheim is only six points ahead of the Sharks right now Chicago is only three points ahead of the Sharks right now it's not like the Sharks are alone on an island compared to the other bad teams in the NHL. I know Ottawa, you know, they've only got 28 points and Columbus hasn't been doing well, but they're 32, so they feel like a little bit further ahead than, you know, the other teams I mentioned there, but I mean that's it's kind of where the NHL is consistently being and I expected Anaheim to take a step forward, but there seems to be the acknowledgement that it's, you know, you're going to have to be bad for a while. The Red Wings, I mean, I thought they were at the point where they were going to start to surge and they have fallen back they continue to not play great hockey i mean they beat the sharks but you know earlier in the year when they met everybody was like yeah the seven-year droughts coming to an end and that's changed very quickly but you know i guess that speaks to what the sharks are going through because you know detroit's gm is by some and maybe widely considered the best gm in the league but it still takes time like the ducks have had a lot of good young talent come in but clearly it's it's still taking time and i think that's I think that's part of it with sharks fans too, Curtis. I know you, you know, interact with them on Twitter and such, and you know, they will weigh in about, yeah, this, this isn't happening overnight. It seems to be kind of a, a dawning that it's not just going to quickly turn.
0: No, exactly. And you just look at the year ahead and how much, uh, churn or how much, uh, you know, roster upheaval you're going to be looking at here. I think there's you know nine or 10 on p- pending unrestricted free agents. And, outside of maybe two or three players, I don't think any of those guys are going to be back. So, you know, you're looking at, you know, adding some some pieces into the, into onto this organization, getting it a little bit younger. You know, we'll see if uh, we'll see if a Will Smith joins this team next year. We'll see if they get a little bit of draft lottery luck and a Macklin Celebrini comes along. You know, it's just, like you said, there's a lot of things that need to happen before the Sharks team can really be a, a consistent playoff contender again. And You know, I think the one thing the Sharks are looking forward to is in a couple of years, having a lot of cap space to sort of play with. And then, you know, maybe adding some pieces here so you can turn up, maybe turn, try to turn this thing around, maybe quicker than uh, some other teams have had so far. I don't think that they, the Sharks are are wanting to go through a a situation where they're missing the playoffs 10 years in a row. like. Like a like a Buffalo has, or or a Detroit might be coming up on, or an Ottawa, or things like that. So, you know, they don't want that to to necessarily to necessarily continue for a really long time. But, you know, at the same time, they don't necessarily want to rush it either. So, and we'll see kind of how the next the next uh, year unfolds and and what the Sharks team can do. You know, at the trade deadline in terms of. Uh, bringing in some assets for uh, some of their pending unrestricted free agents, uh, you know, going into next season, I guess.
1: How much fr- frustration does that, though, cause for the fan base? Because when you're obviously at our position of understanding what the Sharks are trying to do and trying to, you know, trade, you know, pending unrestricted free agents for, you know, draft capital and the like, that's a lot easier to swallow when you're covering the team. If you're paying for season tickets, it's not. And I think that there was, you know, there's there's the hope that this would turn around relatively quickly. So, I, you know, I guess my question is, are fans going to understand, like, how long can they eat the line of, you know, it's not about today, it's about tomorrow?
0: It's um, a very good question. I mean, you know, this is sort of a unique market in that uh, there's a lot of options out there for fans if they want to, uh, you know, do other things than go to a hockey game at night. You know, you look at some of the other markets that have gone through extended rebuilds. You know, we mentioned Detroit and Buffalo and Ottawa and you know Edmonton before they got uh before they got Connor McDavid. Uh, you know, those are those are all hockey mad markets where they're number one and uh, the NHL is number one in those cities. Well, that's not necessarily the case here uh, in the Bay Area. You've got a lot of different things to do. You don't necessarily want to go to a game, so. Um, you know that's that's it's one of those things. I don't know if it's going to get much much uh, leaner in terms of attendance uh, uh, right now than it is than it is right now. I think the sharks still have to do work hard to you know attract fans, attract new fans, uh, maybe get some old some of those old fans back in the building. That's that's going to take a lot of work by by the sharks front office and the marketing department and all those guys that get paid well to do those types of things. So um it'll be interesting to see kind of how sharks fans react but i think the the, the long time fans the people who follow follow the organization um kind of know or are aware that this is a kind of a step that they the sharks had to take but you know like many fans they don't necessarily want to see it last for for a really long time they want to see progress they want to know that that hope's on the way and if the sharks can uh can uh, you know get that message across that things can will can and will get better, then I think uh, you know, the, the longtime sharks fans will will uh, will be okay with that and just and just you know keep seeing if there's going to be some progress here and and uh, you know whether or not this team can uh, you know provide some hope for the future. I guess
1: what was interesting though was after that game um, or after the road trip in which they went three two and one and were playing some pretty good hockey. Relatively speaking, because and this is my joke, it's like if, if the Sharks had gone on a three-two-and-one road trip in 2014, uh, you know, people would have said the sky was falling. But that was enough to get a good turnout against Winnipeg. Winnipeg's not a draw, Curtis, but that was like a good crowd for you know Monday or Tuesday night in the middle of December, where you had a lot more than you would have expected. And It was like, yeah, if you win, people show up, and I, that's that's why I wonder about the cap space they'll have this summer. It's like, do you start investing that into some players, or do you take on more bad contracts with that cap space? Because it's, it, you know, it's the existential reality of what the team is. Is like, do you want to give fans something to watch, or do you want to make sure that the rebuild goes as quickly as possible? Because I think that's the the two sides of it, right?
0: Yeah, no, it's a terrific question. You know, I mean, I do think that you you look at some of the players that might be might be on their way out, you know, Mike Hoffman or Kevin LeBanc or. Uh, you know, some of these, you know, some of these players, uh, you know, uh, Anthony declare if they, if they can't re-sign him or they can't come to an agreement there, you know, that, that's a lot of players to have to re- have to try to replace. And it's not going to be all young guys coming up for the system. You're going to have to go out and sign some guys to to sort of, uh, you know, bolster this roster and, and at least put out a, a competitive or a quality product on the ice, or at least something that, you know, can be uh, can be watchable yeah. on a night-to-night basis. So, uh, so it's going to be an interesting summer, you know, to say the least, to see what the sharks decide they want to do. If it's going to be another year of transition, um, where you maybe not necessarily look, looking to, to put, you know, sign the sign some guys to longer-term deals. You're looking at more of a a quick turnaround to to try to, you know, maybe get against the masses again. In 2025, uh, that'll make me see see what happens here. As like you know, I do think Mark my career is going to be smart about it and and not necessarily not try to you know make moves that are just quick you know quick fixes. He's going to mm-hmm. always going to have, from my you know talks with him and other people in the organization, it's it's always going to be about the long term and the, and the future of this organization and not necessarily. Uh, you know panicking and and trying to to sign guys just to just to kind of uh you know uh you know for, you know make this team you know just a little bit better like you you've got to make moves with a long term in mind which you know will set this team up for success year after year uh at some point you know when when that begins i'm not sure but that's the that's definitely the goal of the organization to try to set this up I mean, build it to a point where you can be competitive on a yearly basis.
1: How much um, confidence do you think that Mike Greer has in David Quinn? Because I've had people ask me, they say, you know, uh, what's going on with Quinn? And I'm always of the response of, if you think this is David Quinn's problem, then you don't understand the roster he was given this year. Not that I'm here to absolve him, but he's not where I look to as the problem. But it's, you know... at some point in all sports, the, the ax falls on somebody. It doesn't fall on the team and it usually falls on the head coach before anyone else. And you and I can have a much longer conversation about that uh, another time and why I, I don't particularly care for it. But, you know, I, I feel like that relationship is good enough to where Mike Greer is not of the thought of that that David Quinn is the reason why the Sharks are, are losing. I think, you know, David Quinn keeps a pretty cool head about himself. It gives us very you know, for the most part, pretty detailed answers. He's only had, I don't know, maybe one anger moment, and that was after the loss in Seattle this year. The rest of the time he's tried to keep things in perspective. And I you yeah. know, I can't say that he's setting things up schematically wrong. I know I've had some people say, Why is he putting out all these forwards on the power play? And to which my answer is like, well, who else is he supposed to put out there? Like, <laughs> like guys, like what are you looking at the same roster I
0: am? Yeah. And you know, there is I I think, I think Mike Greer feels he's got the right guy uh, behind the bench uh, for this team and for this process here. Um, No, is my, is David Quinn going to be the coach three, two, three, four years from now? I don't know. Um, But right now, as as the Sharks go through this and are trying to, you know, teach their young guys the right way to play and, and set these guys up for long-term success. I, you know, I think that, uh, Mike Mike feels that, that David's and his staff is is the right for that but you know at the same time you know I mean everybody has to be held to account at some point and you're not just gonna go on and lose one game after another for the next or four months without having to answer some questions so um we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see here And David's side for another year uh after this one um you know it's 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 going to be a situation where you know does he go into that final year of his contract? Uh, as, as uh you know, without an extension, or, or or will the sharks sort of reward him, uh, with uh with an extension, give him another year, maybe some some peace of mind and some and some backing that, uh, you know, they, even in in what he's trying to do and in the message, and, and the the identity that this team is trying to have, and um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, you know, you're right. I mean, David has been patient throughout this throughout this process and and uh you know hasn't really lost his too, too much. You do remember that game up blow up against uh after that game in Seattle where they just weren't competitive at all. And that's just one thing that's you that's the one thing you gotta judge this team on more than just the wins is losses is is this team competing hard? Yeah. Uh, is this team, you know, giving maximum effort, you know, the lineup is what it is. Um but at the very least you've got to have a, you've got to have you know 20 guys in the same page uh doing you know you know competing you know competing to the best of their abilities uh to put a you know to to make a, a respectable game out of it because obviously we see what happens when when things can go uh, haywire here so uh, you know so a little thing to see what what happens with, with David with David Quinn going ahead here and and uh, but for now, I think uh, you know everybody's kind of on the same page as what this organization, what well, this organization, the state they're in now, what they hope to be here in the next couple of years.
1: All right, to hear the rest of that interview, turn into Morning Tide tomorrow morning. Tonight, the San Jose Sharks take on Winnipeg. Pre-game coverage starts at seven o'clock right here on the Sharks Audio Network, and then game time seven thirty as the Sharks look to snap. Their nine-game losing streak and right now the Sharks are playing a Winnipeg team that, you know, is is having a year that I don't think many were expecting. Uh right now Winnipeg currently sits at a record of 23-9 and 450 points, second in a very hotly contested Central Division. We're out of time for the San Jose Sharks. I'll see you tomorrow morning and I'm Ted Ramey signing off.